0: So, Michelle. So, David. We've been all over the world recently, haven't we? We've we've done a lot of Eastern Europe. Yep. um, But we're we're going back to an old favourite today. China. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Wow, you just...
1: (laughs) I know, there was no cliffhanger there, but I feel like it's because when you say favourite, I mean, China's the only thing that comes to
0: mind. Yeah, really, really. I mean, we could talk Trump, but who cares? No. No one cares about Trump. Here's a really big question. Yeah. There's a tiny little bird. Mm-hmm. That is basically the reason where we're at with China right now. Right? Yep. This is a little theory I've got. It's a sparrow. Right? It's not a canary? Not it's a not canary? not a coal mine? No, 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 okay. no. Okay. No, it's a sparrow. Okay. The humble sparrow, I believe, is one of the reasons why the world, the entire world, is currently where it is at right now. Okay. Now, you want to work out, you want to know why, and it all comes down to Xi. As well. Okay. Sorry, Xi. I've been, I, I have been corrected. It's not Xi Jinping. It's Xi Jinping. Who, Xi who said that? Who said that? A Chinese journalist that I've been sort of in contact with the to. Anyway, let, let's not get involved with this. Right? Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not how everyone else pronounces it. So well, anyway.
0: Uh, well, it's a Chinese journalist. That's fine. Just said C, but you know, if you want to call him T, I don't care. But right now, today, Xi Jinping and sparrows. Okay. Yeah.
1: Great. You're listening to I Spy, the Wolf Warrior of Australian Intelligence.
0: Yeah. You know what? Don't say anything bad about us. Don't say a word that's bad about us, because you Sorry. know what? We'll podcast at you so hard you okay. will learn.
1: I really like dumplings.
0: Is that why I'm really hungry? Actually.
1: Hello and welcome to Eyes Five. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan, and we're going to tuck back into China because a lot of stuff has been going on, particularly in terms of the government. Huge
0: month for China. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and. I think what we really need to unpack is yep. Xi Sing No, See. Xi Jinping. I'm going to say it the way I normally Call it the say way it. You do it. Xi Call Jinping, him. you know, he's he's back in power like there was any any worry or concern that he wouldn't be back in power. Mm-hmm. And I think also what was really interesting was the people that he pulled closer and tighter towards him.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to be unpacked there.
1: Yes, because a lot of people were really this is kind of the analogy I heard. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of journalists who um, have a real focus on China said in their Chinese fantasy football, so to speak. So <laughs> so when they look at the government and who was going to get in and like, who was going like, to get yeah, what yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. departments, that was their Chinese kind of fantasy yeah, yeah, China, football. Yeah, I
0: get it. I Totally. If you got Bojilao, Lao, you're done. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah.
1: Done. No one got it. No. No one. No, no, no. no because no. basically all the rules got thrown out
0: the window. Totally. Because
1: apparently when you reach a certain age, you retire. No, nope, that didn't happen. Yep. They're older and they're in.
0: The old, The basic story was after Mao, right? Yes. So after Mao had went, Mao had been the great leader, the great helmsman, they called him. Yeah. Now, Mao had, once he died, it- Around 1976, I think it was, it was not a good time to be in the Chinese Communist Party. There was a lot of factional infighting. Yeah. There's a lot of trying to find who's going to be the new chairman. And then I think I believe it was Deng Xiaoping who eventually took control of the situation. Now, the problem being that there was all of this factional fighting. Now, what they decided to do is the best way to do this is whoever becomes head of the party, e.g., president of the country, premier, whatever you want to call him, yep. well, the person who takes over only does it for two terms. That's all you get. Right. And the interesting thing about that was, as soon as they put that in, everything politically stabilized and it mm. stabilized really, really well. Right. But the big thing was, you always knew who the next president was going to be because at the party conference, the five year conference that they have, the president would walk out, whoever it was that was that year, and then his successor would walk behind. That's the problem we have with C, G, whatever you want to call him. G. Uh, Let's go with
1: G because that's G. the way Australians pronounce it. Cool.
0: Him. Right. So the big thing was, G walked out. But there was no successor behind him. Mm. Yes, certainly the other members of the uh, what is the central committee of the Politburo came out, but there was no clear winner as to who was to follow, which indicates that not only has she got himself a brand new spanking third term completely out of the box, mm. but also he's probably going to want to hold on to that for the rest of his life.
1: Yes, and there was there was a leadership reshuffle. So the longtime foreign policy hand Wang Yi yep. was seen snagging a promotion to the yep. coveted role of a top diplomat. Yeah. Now he's I can't remember how old he was, but he is he's young. Six, he's well, I thought it was sixty nine. Oh, hang
0: on. No, there's another one in there. That no, is young. he's
1: sixty nine. All right. And so I think that was kind of a bit of a surprise mm. there. But he's kind of the one who has taken that kind of hardline stance when it came to COVID policymaking.
0: Now, there's a lot before we go any further. I mm. just want to unpack a little bit of history because it's going to help clarify what's going on. I okay, think, I think it'll help a lot. And it does come down to sparrows, right.
1: right? But also before we get into that, yep. I want to also flag that we should discuss Wolf Warrior diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going to tap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Because that that's really really interesting. Yeah. Yep. when it comes to what's going on with China and it kind of makes a lot of sense.
0: Most definitely. Now, yep. we go back to 1958, the great leap forward. Chairman Mao has decided economically in 1949, we've, you know, we've taken mm-hmm. over the country, now we've got to have our leap forward and take our place on the yep. stage of the, of the world. Now, what happened was he decided one of the things we're going to do is kill off all the sparrows.
1: <laughs> okay. Right? What? Who was so mad about the sparrows?
0: Well, the thing is sparrows eat grain. Oh. So if we kill all the sparrows, and it was called smash sparrow. That was the name of the operation: Smash Sparrow. Oh,
1: okay. yeah,
0: pretty simple. <laughs> if you go out there and you see a sparrow, kill it, right? Okay. And that way, we'll have all this—so oh, much more grain to eat.
1: But they don't understand that the sparrows are part of the uh, the world. The ecology, I guess. The ecology, and all that. Sort of and all stuff. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: That was the problem. See, like,
1: take the bees away, we all die. Yeah.
0: Well, here's the thing: <laughs> take the sparrows away, all the insects that the sparrows eat, because they don't just eat grain; they eat all the pests they tend to just grow out of control. Yeah. They had locust plagues. They had famine, right? Famine that some believe could have killed. Eh, the numbers vary from anywhere from 15 million to 70 million people. All died. because
1: they killed the sparrows. they killed the sparrows. Oh, my God, that is so great. Right, right,
0: right. right. So, boom. Yep. Point number one. Yep. That's happened. The other thing that happened that was really, 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 really kind of um interesting mm. about that was suddenly there's not a lot of food around, right? Mm. So, what the hell? Let's start eating the wildlife. See- it's not traditional for the Chinese to eat pangolins. It was a mark of desperation. The whole idea of wet markets and the yeah. use of wildlife—it's poor, poor, people. Was poor people starving? Out in the bush, right?
1: But, e- but even nowadays, the whole wet markets and also, you know, the whole eating of bats and stuff like that has a lot to do with regional farmers who exactly. don't have a lot of money.
0: They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of food. Yes. Uh, but, well, back then, they didn't have a lot of food. So, what are we going to do? Let's start eating that. So, that's also one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of people believe there have been this uptick in certain respiratory illnesses, yeah. one that also features very heavily in China's history called COVID. Right. Anyway, uh, so there's that. Now, let's talk about Xi. Okay. Xi, whose dad, right, mm. his dad was Xi Zhongzhun, Xi who fought alongside Mao. He was a hero of yeah. the revolution to the point where basically the children of the revolution – quite literally, great song, by the way. The the children of the revolution in China mm. are called princelings. They were all regarded as the you know the heir apparents to the regime. Okay. Until the mid-60s when Mao went, hang on a minute, I'm getting old, I'm getting paranoid, who's going to take over? They're all looking at me, who's got a knife and it's coming up behind me? And he, he basically had a purge. And that was the Cultural Revolution where he basically turned around and went, right, this is it. I'm going to get rid of all the old revolutionary guards and they're all going to be... Imprisoned, purged, and their children are going to be sent out into the countryside to learn what it's like to live as a peasant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not a good look for a guy. You know, no. And these kids had all been like, they were sort of like teenagers. Yeah. They'd all been living the life royal. Right? Yeah. They'd been having a great time. They lived in a compound in the middle of Beijing where they were treated like princes. They, mm. you know, they had it all. Suddenly, don't no, out to the country, and that is where Xi started living in a cave. Now, just so you know how bad it was Before he was kicked out of Beijing and sent to the country, he was publicly denounced at his school by his mother. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got really, really... No
1: wonder he is the way he is. He (laughs) just didn't get the love of his mother.
0: And then then he escaped the country and went back to Beijing, standing there cold, wet and dripping and starving at his mother's doorstep.
1: See, it's all making sense right now.
0: And she (laughs) handed him back to the police and he went back out into the country.
1: See, it's all making absolute sense.
0: Yeah. Now... How did this guy who hated working in the country, he even confesses, he smokes. He uh, is a smoker and he confessed he took up smoking because it gave him a chance to take cigarette breaks while he was working. Yeah,
1: I feel like right. that's that's why a lot of people took up smoking. So,
0: one, this is a guy who's been, who has lived in the lab. Basically, let's take a boy from Cranbrook mm. and throw him out into the desert. Would Literally, not survive. He would not survive, right? No. So, there he is. This is when he realised, I have to knuckle down. He yep. realised, if I'm going to survive this, I've just got to keep my nose to the grindstone, my backside in the air, take my occasional cigarette and get through this. Yeah. And they finally did. They got through it. Uh, Xi's father, who was sent to prison, was then released. He was, uh, you know, he was basically, they retold the story of his greatness. I mean, when he died, he was buried in his family village. His ashes were taken to mm. his original village. There is a 65-tonne granite statue of him. Hmm. Above the place where he was buried. And here's the interesting thing. There's a couple of great quotes. I love this. Right. The quote on his tomb Mm. is, the party's interest comes first.
1: I mean, that's very communist. Very,
0: very communist. But here's the thing. She lives by that now. Mm. Xi literally lives by that. One of his favourite quotes, this is a quote from Xi, he uses it in speeches regularly. Government, the military, society and schools. North, south, east, west, the party leads them all. Because what you don't understand, what we mm. we don't understand about it is with an authoritarian regime, there are certain things you have to have in place to make 100%. it work. 100%. Repression, that works really well. You've got to be able to, and boy, the Chinese do that really well. Propaganda. What Xi has done in the last decade with propaganda is off the chain. It's brutal, yes. right? You've got to have patronage, which interestingly enough, Xi's moving away from, Well, he's kind of playing with patronage. All of the people that he's brought forward with him in the Congress, they're all his... He's, he's patron to all of them. Yep. They're all part of his faction. And finally, rigged elections. Well, you don't need rigged elections in China. You just don't hold them. Yes. Right. So he's managed to get all of these things in place. But without the army, you can't succeed. So, once everything was fixed, once the Gs were back in favour, Xi applied for the Communist Party. He was rejected nine times. It took him ten <laughs> I times. I
1: actually feel bad for him because I feel he's literally been ostracised by yep. his mum. Yep. He's been living in a cave. Yep. He's been – he went back to his mum. She sent him back out yep. there. Then he's like – can't get into the Communist Party. It's like
0: crazy. And the thing was he couldn't get in. But because of his father, they finally let him in and they gave him this position working as the Mishu, which is the secretary, the personal secretary, to Geng Biao. And Geng Biao was the vice premier at the time and also Mm. the minister for national defence. At that point, that is when Xi went, hang on, armies are really important in this game because with the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, what do you think their number one role is?
1: What is I don't the number know. one
0: role of any national army? To protect? To protect the country. Yeah. No, not for the PLA. Okay. The PLA's number one aim is to protect the party. Oh. Right. Now, the party's not a small party. There are 100 million members of the Chinese Communist Party. Right. Right. So, it's a big party. But the thing is, the army, if you don't have the army, you don't get anywhere. So, the thing is, he worked with the army. Mm. Right After that, he went to Zhongjing, where he was like the deputy governor or something. Uh, no, Fujian. Fujian province, which is right next door to Hong Kong. Mm. And you look across the South China Sea to this little island called Taiwan. Yeah. Right. Now, the problem is because... Hong Kong was bubbling away as this little economic centre. And then on the coast, you had China working basically, you know, Fujian province working as its factory. Mm. Corruption was rife. Yeah, There was one guy who was a peasant who realised, hang on, I can make a bit of money here. He got to the point where he was running a hotel that if you were a party member, you would be invited to the hotel. You'd have dinners with bottles of wine worth thousands of dollars. There would be prostitutes upstairs waiting for you. You did Mm. not pay a, a penny for this. It was kickbacks galore. And then, basically, the party went, we need to clean this up. Who are we going to send? Xi. Right. And that's when his game really kicked in. He is such an anti-corruption maven. He's such a hawk about corruption. Now, you totally look at him and go, well, he's probably really corrupt as well. Not really.
1: Well, but, mind you, I feel like communism is kind of a form of corruption in terms of how you lead. Yeah. Because it's not – Democratic, so therefore it's whoever is the strongest of will kind of leads. Yeah. Now, the other thing, the other reason Xi- That is ri- a form of corruption in some way, I would say. Uh,
0: look, well, basically every political system really is, has. like it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But corruption is so endemic yep. in China. Well, it was. At the moment, it's been knocked out because Xi's big thing is tigers and flies. Right. right? He doesn't just want to get the big guys. He wants to get the guy that says, no, you're going to give me 20 bucks if you want to- you know, get this parking spot, Mm. any form of corruption from a local official right up to, uh, and this is the big change, the very top of the party. It was basically regarded that, yeah, go after corruption, but leave the upper echelon of the party alone. she has gone, no, 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 no. And it came down to one of his great rivals, Bougillard, Mm. Lai. Now, Bougie Lai was incredibly charismatic, provincial leader, mm. made great speeches, great sense of humor, handsome guy, rock star good looks. You know, you name it, this guy had was mm. a complete package. Until he and his wife were involved in the murder of a British businessman. His wife, allegedly his wife, poisoned him. Right. Right. And also, Bougie Lai has been involved in corrupt practices. Boujilai is currently in prison and will never get out. Right, and everyone was like shocked, yeah, because it was like Boujilai—he's the obvious choice. And then when the party went, oh, let's pick G, a lot of party officials were like he's not much of a leader. He's mm. really, you know, he's he's not a charismatic guy. He he's cute. You know, he's got that happy kind of face. But beyond yep. that, he's not really a dude. And the thing is, everyone—and this is the thing with G everyone has underestimated how he operates. Yeah. Right? So the whole thing was this was all really good for him. The whole corruption thing, great, fantastic. And then there's there was one event in the in global politics that made him really stop and take notice. That was the collapse of the Soviet Union. And also, 5 years prior to that, Chernobyl. Right. right. Chernobyl was one of the real nails in the communist coffin, right? It Absolutely screwed Soviet communism, right? It, yes. It basically, and then the corruption inherent in the Soviet system basically meant that this, it couldn't sustain itself, it collapsed, and we have what we have now yep. in Russia. Now, Xi saw that and also realized we can't let that happen here. We can't let that happen in China because where Russia, are of what, I think it's about 400 million people. That's, or no, it's not even that. I think it's about 300 million. It's about mm. the size of USA. While it's a big country and a big population, A billion and a half people, that can be really devastating if that gets out of control. So there was that. But then 2008 came around and it was China's coming out party because since Tiananmen Square right through to 2008, China has basically increased – well, actually since Mao's death, I think China's economy has increased something like 400%. Right, It's an incredible amount that it's increased. And the whole thing was they had their coming out party and that coming out party was the Shanghai Olympics. Right. Remember that? Yes. Remember how cool it was? How clean everything was? How everything was absolutely spick and span and all the grass was green? Yeah. Because it was painted that way? Yeah. She did it. That right, that was G. Right, and that was the thing that really cemented him in the party as being the guy that gets shit, shit done, done. <laughs> getting G done. Right now, the whole thing was having ever since two thousand and eight it's basically been a fait accompli that he'd take over the party, Mm. right? There's never been any doubt. And now it's at the point where he has so controlled the party, knowing full well the way he thinks the party is the thing that runs the country, everything to the party, right? The the other quote on his father's grave is, he fought all his life. He was happy all his life, right? right? The whole idea was he gave everything to the party, he died for the party. He was happy about it, even when he was in prison. This is for the party. good. Him, it
1: gives him purpose. Right,
0: gave him purpose. Now, with Xi, Xi's taken all of these lessons. Yes. And I can uh, let me recommend, I will recommend right now, it's a fantastic podcast called The Prince. It's from a an economist journalist by the name of Su Ling Wong. And it is, if you really want the detail, because I we can't cover the detail in one episode. No. The guy is a freaking machine.
1: Yeah, and, like, it comes across in the way he presents himself himself and his country and that's kind of where this whole idea of wolf warrior diplomacy kind of came from yeah. which is kind, of, which is the diplomacy that came into fruition under Xi so it's an aggressive style of coercive diplomacy and it's, it's what's been adopted by all the Chinese diplomats. Now the approach is kind of in contrast to prior Chinese diplomatic practices mm-hmm. which is really interesting and that's kind of like where I think um, Australia has been having these issues because it's all from this kind of wolf warrior diplomacy. So it's kind of emphasises the avoidance of controversy and the use of cooperative rhetoric. Yeah. So basically, as an Australian, if we say anything that goes against them, yeah. they're not going to sit down and take that
0: anymore. Anyway. No, 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 no. But-
1: Whereas, like, before, they probably would not have done anything.
0: But this is the thing with China right now is yes. China has basically turned around and we – Let's be honest. The West wrote China off. They made a huge mistake back in the, like, early 20th century when yep. they went, well, well, it's China, don't worry about it. But, you know, uh, Russia invaded them. Japan mm-hmm. invaded them. America ignored them. The English, you know, the English and the Americans, everyone's had a piece of China. Yeah. And the thing is, China, to my mind, China is, was, and always will be the end game for a di- diplomat, for an intelligence yep. officer, for a businessman, because that's the biggest market in the world. Yes. Right? So the thing is, the Chinese, they were written off as, and we- Let's be honest. The racism in China, in Australia is very much along the lines of, oh, Chinese, whatever. Yes. Is. It doesn't matter if we get in a fight with them. Even if there's a billion of them, there's only 20 but, of us. We'll but, win.
1: But I think we weren't prepared for what Xi Jinping had kind of enforced on his diplomats, which yep. was this wolf warrior diplomacy, exactly. which is, by its very nature, it's meant to be confrontational and combative. Its proponents loudly denounce any perceived criticism of the Chinese government oh, yeah. and its policies on social media and in interviews, as well as using physical violence against protesters and dissidents.
0: Now, that yeah, there is that whole thing that there is supposedly PLA operations going into foreign countries and basically, you know, walking up to the diaspora and going, shut up or we'll take you out. Or, better yet, shut up or your parents back home are going to find it really unpleasant to live.
1: Well, interestingly, the US Justice Department has just charged 13 people with spying for China. Mm -hmm. Now, seven of them, they were charged with attempting to forcibly repatriate, kidnap a Chinese national. Mm. Because, so basically, they're forcing a lot of their Chinese nationals back into the fold. Yep.
0: Well, it's also, we want you where we can keep an eye on you and control the narrative that you're putting out.
1: Yes, exactly. That's the real,
0: again, that comes down to that propaganda arm of the authoritarian regime where I am going to control the story that gets out. Yes,
1: yes. Now, the US is also considering extending existing Chinese export controls on a few things. So, I listened to a very interesting uh, podcast on this. It was b- it was by um, a really well-known economist and he was saying what we don't realise, particularly with the Chinese government, like, everyone's so concerned about TikTok, right? Like, because the yeah. Chinese can have access to your data. Like Fish. But what he was saying is, like, don't be so caught up in the tic- It's. I mean, yes, we do have concerns about TikTok, of course, but what the Chinese are doing, they're putting um, chips, like 5G chips into everything, like your toaster and yep. your kettle, and yep. this is where we're going. And he's like, so eventually, this is going to be an extension of their listening capabilities. So, they're going to have access to your home through yep. the toaster, through the kettle. And he's like saying, what we need to do is we need to start producing our own electronics.
0: That is the- and I
1: know that this sounds really crazy, but this is where we are headed. We should be thinking along these lines.
0: Oh, totally, right? This is one of the things we've done. And again, it comes back to Shanghai. It comes back to the incredible economic evolution that they've had in the last 20, 30 years. China, when I worked for ASIO, it was of concern, but it wasn't the big target. No. Right? The big target really was the Soviet Union. Yeah. And China was regarded as sort of like the sidekick, right? Mm. Now, China is the game, all right? And we have literally given them the game. We've given our manufacturing to them. Xi always talks about the wall of steel, right? Yeah. We now have a wall of steel that we'll use to protect our country. The problem with that is we gave them that steel wall. Yeah. We sold it to them. Well- Gina Reinhart and Twiggy Forrester sold it to them and one day they might pay some tax, but who knows? Mm. They might sponsor a netball. T- oh, no. Oh, pity that. Anyway, right, the whole thing is we've given them the game. Now, that idea of a 5G chip in your toaster, people are going, oh, so what? Right, here's the great thing. The bugs that were developing as I was leaving the organisation yep. were things like basically it was a SIM card yeah. Attached to an audio device. Yeah. That's not a lot of technology. It's not a big footprint to, to create. Now, if you then embed that chip in a circuit board plus the audio device in a circuit board, sure, you can turn your kettle into a, a bug. If you're boiling water, it's going to be as noisy, noisy as shit. Mm. But the bottom line is that is now an active device. And all I've got to do is work out the bug. A friend of mine I remember years ago, back in the, ooh, the late 90s, a mate had bought a new printer and plugged it into his computer. And he went, what, what the hell? The printer was also a fax machine. Yeah, sorry, I'm that old, right?
1: And I was like, mm, fax machines. With weird. thermal paper. Right? And the thing is, as
0: soon as you plugged it into the computer, the fax machine rang the company to say, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Right? Now, that was the technology in the 90s. Now, we don't need to plug you in. We just need to activate you with a signal and away you go, right? So, yes, that's a, and that to me is fascinating. I'm absolutely stoked with that.
1: And they were also, when they were, they were charging 13 people with spying for China, they were also, they'd found two who were trying to subvert the prosecution of an unnamed Chinese company. Now, reportedly, it's Huawei. Yeah. So Huawei has, there's been a a whole bunch of conversations and lots of stuff written about Huawei. And, you know, our government even said we're not accepting Huawei and for good reason Mm. because giving China that extra leg into anything. We're
0: not going to give you our communications infrastructure. That's basically what we're saying when we say we don't want Huawei running our 5G. We don't want you to control the infrastructure. Do you want to actually be a part of the infrastructure? Yeah, we'll probably let you in. But if you want to own the infrastructure, we just can't.
1: Yes. Now all of this stuff that the, the Americans have done with some Chinese spies has kind of had an effect now. So a major Chinese chip maker has now asked its American employees to leave the country. Yeah. So, like, you might think that this is pie-in-the-sky nonsense when we talk about, like, chips being in, like, toasters and kettles and stuff like that. But now you've got, like, the Chinese saying, we don't want Americans in, in our chip-making facilities. Well,
0: here's an interesting thing about it as well. Um, the province where the Uyghurs are. Yep. Uh, and I'm really sorry for not having my geographical knowledge. Uh, be lovely. better.
1: Just yeah. be better. Yeah,
0: I'll be better. Sorry, I should have made a note. Yeah. Right. If you have a factory up there, if you're have, if you making chips, clothes, yep. furniture, whatever, right? If you have something up there, you're not allowed to visit it. The Chinese have now turned around, to, uh, like H&M turned around and went, we're not really happy with the labour practices up mm. there. So China went, cool, no dramas. Then they turned around to the population and went, H&M's a really evil company and you probably don't want to buy their gear and their market shut down in yep. China, right? They have that power and for you to lose the China market – Oh, my God, you're going to take a hit. You're going to take a bigger hit than Yee did when he walked into sketches and they went, dude, grandmas are not going to buy Kanye's shoes, right? The whole thing is China right now, and again, the Olympics are a really good example. The Olympics were basically their coming out party for them to go, look at what we've done. Remember what we were like back in the 70s? Look at what we are now. And if you look at photos of Shanghai in the 70s and Shanghai now, it's like a science fiction. Right Now, what they've done, basically they've gone, hang on, why do you keep asking us about human rights? Why do you keep asking about Taiwan and Hong Kong? Mm. Why can't you celebrate and acknowledge that we are a global power? And the interesting thing about a lot of the rhetoric coming out of the West, particularly that was coming out of the Morrison government, what was coming out of the Trump governments, the problem with that was that actually buoyed the Chinese propaganda system in country. They were able to turn around to their population and go, This is what they think of you. Yep. This is what they think of our country and all the amazing things we've done. We've raised 600 million of you out of poverty. And what do they say? We're all criminals and we should be punished for it. Well, we're not going to take it anymore. They literally are. They've literally stuck their head out the window of the planet and gone, we are as angry as hell and we're not going to take it anymore.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, as we've spoken many times about the Chinese, particularly the Chinese government, they don't see four years ahead. They see 50 to 100 years ahead. Yep. So a lot of the stuff they're doing now is paving the way for their succession, which may take 20 years. They're playing this long game and we we speak about this all the time, but it's actually incredibly true  – and also, another thing that I just want to touch on as well, Please. in terms of Xi Jinping and his control on, you know, kind of companies and stuff like that, he had real issues with Alibaba, which was like a tech company over yeah. there. it's their ver-
0: Alibaba's kind of their version of Amazon. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And because Alibaba had upset him, he tightened his grip and, you know, their shares are, are quite low and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've they been into all sorts of troubles. Wasn't it
0: prosecution of the, the founder?
1: Yeah. So, they've been in all, all sorts of troubles. Now, interestingly, Alibaba and Tencent, which are both like their big tech companies, yep. the shares on them had plummeted off the back of Xi Jinping getting a third term.
0: Well, if you've crossed him, this is yep. the thing. You cross him at your peril. Personally, I probably won't be going to Shanghai anytime soon after this episode. No, I
1: don't think anyone is. But Well, we can't anyway because of fucking COVID bullshit.
0: Well, that's a really interesting thing as well. The it's whole like COVID thing. But well, here's the thing. There's a couple of things that came out of it. Like, again- having done the research, with their COVID zero policy, Mm. right, one, Xi's gone, COVID zero, that's it. Well,
1: but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he said that we are going to do COVID zero and now it feels like he's come so far he needs to save face.
0: He can't back down. He can't back down. Right, now there's that. The other thing as well is, and it all came down to Hong Kong. Hong Kong had one of the most, like, stringent lockdowns. And then when it came out, Suddenly they had it again and they were really worried that it was going to get across into mainland China. Mm. Now, the thing about that is mainland China had, what, 100 million senior citizens Mm. that weren't vaccinated. Now, one of the things was China turned around and went, we don't want to do AstraZeneca, we don't want to do Pfizer, we're going to have our own, which I believe is called Sinovac. It's not exactly as effective, Mm. right? And a lot of the Chinese population turned around and went, well, you know, if only... 2% of the population are in lockdown. If it's only Shanghai or, you know, Huaizhen or one of the cities that's in lockdown and not all of us, we don't really need to bother. And, you know, that vaccine, it's not really that great. We're not going to do it. So there's an incredibly low vaccination rate. And because they've got a low vaccination rate, they can't afford to let it out. No. Right. Whereas Australia, we've, I mean, for whatever reasons you want to bring up, we went through our lockdown period. We're now heavily vaccinated. Mm. Oh, there's all these reports coming out about what's gone wrong and target and blah, 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 and whatever. The, because we've had a high vaccine rate, we can move around together and it will not have an impact. But if China has got a low vaccine rate, mm. that's a lot of people to get sick.
1: Yeah, and... I think it's going to happen whether they like it or not. Otherwise, they're going to stay very closed, yeah. very long time. And I don't think that that's a practicality because we're, what we're already seeing is Chinese population railing against these these rules and regulations. Like, if for them to even be accepted or allowed to go shopping, mm. they have to have a COVID test. Mm. So you see, like these li- lines that are like days long just to get a COVID test so they can go to a store. It's really bizarre.
0: But here's the interesting thing about that, and that was another point that was that's been raised, is the fact that yes, you know, you're under a very strict area and you can't get you know, you're locked down. But here's a really interesting mm. point. But look at what happened in America. Look at what happened to those decadent people. Bodies on the streets, people. And the Chinese I was like that was like a million years ago. <laughs> but when you control the narrative.
1: Of course they control the narrative. Right? So
0: the fact is a lot of the Chinese are going, I'm really unhappy I don't, about this. I don't,
1: think, I don't think that that's true. I think the Chinese people are smarter than that. I think there comes to a point where they can't even go grocery shopping without a test that they're going to rail against the government. Government,
0: the military, society and schools. If you control the narrative through all four of those. I,
1: but I think, I think on this particular thing, I think they're having a lot of
0: issues. And they, I
1: think if they continue this hardline stance, it's just going to spell trouble for them.
0: Well, that's interesting point is they, how long can they sustain it? They can't. It's unsustainable. Right? But at the moment with the control Xi has over all the elements, he literally is running the board, mm. he is in a really good strong position to basically – Crack it down and crack down hard. He's got the military on side. Yeah, with that army, and it's not a small army. It's now the biggest navy in the world, right? Admittedly, they don't have as many aircraft carriers as the US, or probably as good at technology. But mm. goddamn, they're close, right? The thing with the COVID lockdowns is they simply cannot unlock. Until they have some way of ensuring that there is a form of immunity running through this, yeah. the yeah,
1: I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, they know something we don't because they created it. Anyway, let's end oh. it on that. <laughs> don't worry, there's a lot of people that think that. Look,
0: that, um, and I, I I don't disagree. I will argue pretty much that I do not believe it was a man-made thing.
1: Oh, I do. I I think there there is some very legitimate... Ideas around, well, around. Let's do it. You know what? Let's do an episode on this. Because it was actually created in a lab. So let's do an episode on this. I really want to see the evidence on this. Okay, you and I debate this. We're going to debate.
0: All right, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, maybe not the next episode, but very soon there's going to be a full-on debate. We're going to have an adjudication. The great
1: COVID debate. (laughs) Great COVID
0: debate. All right. I'm going to gird my loins for this. I'll be
1: Sky News, you be ABC. Let's do it.
0: Oh, God, does that mean I've got to be Norman? Okay.
1: (laughs) Done.